Welcome to the Sports Card Lessons Podcast with your host, Big Ken, a retired teacher bringing you lessons each week he's learned in the hobby by taking you behind the table and inside the mind of a dealer and a collector. Sit back and relax. There won't be a test. The only thing being graded here is the cards. Welcome to the Sports Card Lessons Podcast. I'm your host, Big Ken. Whether you're watching on YouTube or listening on a streaming service, please like, subscribe, and hit that notification bell. You'll be notified whenever I drop any new content. Welcome. I'm really excited for today's guest. He is the CEO of Mascot, Ezra Levine. Welcome, Ezra. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me on the show. First of all, always, always fun to, to chat about Mascot and all the all the things we have going on. And uh, it, it was a pleasure to meet you in person over the last couple of weeks at uh, Foxborough. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, when you when I when I met you there and, and I have to say this because I've heard other people say things like, wow, like is a great looking guy. Right. right. You, know, you don't really hear men say that much. But when I saw you, I said, I, whatever he does, I bet you he's good at it. Right. Because I saw you chatting with other people and people were really, you know, you, you really captivated an audience. So, you know what what you're doing, you're probably well suited for for doing that. Thank so, you. Thank you. So, look, b- before we jump in to mascot, you know, maybe you could just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, your hobby background, what led you to CEO of mascot. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think I have a pretty familiar story as, you know, sort of a lot of collectors. I, I got into this uh, when I was a kid. You know, I grew up um, here in New York City and, you know, I was a big I was a big collector as a kid. Certainly went through the whole 90s junk wax era. I can, you know, I, I can remember as a, as a young boy, we had, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of binders of sports cards. Of course, uh, we set up little hobby shops. My brother and I here in our bedroom, we would sell cards back to our parents. It was the, it was, it was the best deal. They would actually buy us the cards that we sold them back to them. It was amazing. And uh, so, you know, I, I got into it when I was a kid. I really got into it because of my dad, who is, um, who's a big hobbyist. He, you know, he's been in the market for a long time. He's, He's pretty well known. He's uh, you know sort of been at the forefront of a lot of collecting trends. He collects everything from vintage cards to Type One photos to tickets, you name it. You know, he he's, he's been involved in the market. So uh, I really got into it as a kid, but I really kind of stayed with it and stayed knowledgeable about it, even when I wasn't actually participating in it through my father. And uh, I still remember every summer he would go off with three, four guys who I've never met before to the nationals, whether it was in Chicago or Cleveland, it was always sort of like a summer staple as my, my dad would go away for a couple of days with guys we never met. Uh, but it was great. And yeah, I mean, my, my personal, uh, kind of track, like a lot of other people's, I lost touch with it when I went to high school and college and I was, I found myself in other professions. I was in finance and then I was an entrepreneur in different capacities. Uh, and then, you know, I was having a conversation with my dad. This was probably 2018, give or take. And uh, we just sold off this other business that, you know, I helped to found. And he said, you know what, uh, you should take a look at the collectibles market. There's a lot of really interesting things happening. I'm starting to see a little bit of escalation in price. And, you know, it's really a, an industry that uh, has a lot of fanhood and a lot of fandom. It's a very sticky audience, but there really hasn't been a lot of innovation in this category for quite some time. And, you know, I, from there, I really did a lot of research. I spoke to a lot of uh, his connections, his contacts. I did a lot of work in the industry and kind of thinking about it, you know, what could I add to it, uh, which led me to, uh, to start a company called Collectible, which is a fractional ownership company. And then I wound up leaving Collectible and, um, you know, r- really taking on this 
a gig here uh, at Mascot. So your exposure growing up, your dad was just, was he just an entrepreneur? Was what, what, what kind of work did he do? It's a, it's a fascinating story. He was actually a rabbi. He was a rabbi for about 30, 35 years. Uh, and he really used the hobby as his escape. You know, it was his passion. It was truly for him. It was a hobby, but he loved it. And he was very knowledgeable at it. You know, I remember just these stacks of binders and these auction catalogs would arrive uh, every week. And, you know, we'd go through and he would buy something and a package would arrive at the doorstep and we'd do this big unveiling of what my dad bought. And, you know, I don't think I really had a full appreciation for it when I was a kid. I just knew it was something that my dad loved and you know, he was very uh, active in it. And, and, you know, it was just something that, that gave him a lot of pleasure and uh, really just kind of seeing his involvement with it, seeing the friendships that he formed through it, mm -hmm. uh, seeing, you know, all the various shows and the cool opportunities he got to do to be just immersed within sports collectibles and sports history. It was, it was very attractive to me. Yeah. And did you travel with him to the Nationals or to the Nationals? Yeah, I, I, I can't believe I said it was as plural all yeah. the time, the National. Did you travel with him there? Yeah, I did go to the Nationals once. I was probably maybe whew, maybe 11 or 12 years old. I think it was in Chicago. Uh, and then my next Nationals appearance was in 2021. And I've been to the ones uh, ever since in various uh, you know, whether with collectible or the mascot. So, but you know, I, I remember, you know, we used to go to ones here in New York City. I remember heritage auctions would have these live auctions here in New York City, and I would go with him um, all the time. We went to Philadelphia to a few conventions. I, there's stuff that are, you know, still in my childhood bedroom of things that I bought when I was a kid, and uh, it's it's been great. It's been something that's always been a part of my life. I didn't fully commit to it in a professional capacity until about four years ago, but. Yeah, I think I think it's really fun. Anytime you can marry, you know, something you would do, even if it wasn't a job with your job is always something I think a lot of people always try to do. And, you know, I'm really thrilled and gratified that I've been yeah. able to do that. Yeah. Only the very lucky, right, can I take agree. something they really love and and make it a career, too. I agree, with that. Yeah. I agree with that. So so your collection back in your childhood bedroom being in new york i'm sure it's it's yankees or or giants or or rangers or i, I mean i'm sure it's new york because the new yorkers are, are you know they 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 love their own out there it's true i i mean i i have uh, i think my favorite not not my most valuable piece but my favorite pieces i have um a game used bat from the entire yankees infield from what i describe as like the glory days so it was uh you know we had knoblock at second base and tino at first base and jeter at shortstop and brocious wow. at third and so yeah i mean i i, I really yeah you know, you're spot on when you're from new york you really cultivate and gravitate towards the new york teams i was lucky to be uh, born and raised a yankee fan so i didn't have to go through all the trials uh, of being a mets fan i was lucky to be born a giants fan not a jets fan i was uh, I, was, I was fortunate to see the Rangers win the Stanley Cup in 1994. Yeah. The one team that we're still waiting for are the Knicks. But I think I think we're going to be waiting for a little bit longer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, when you went back to the hobby, right, you go back to your childhood collection, like most of us did back during the pandemic and said, I'm going to go dig out these cards right out of my closet or the basement or like you, your, your, you know, your old childhood bedroom. Did you... I mean, maybe it was a little different from you because your dad was, you know, into this and really knew knew the hobby market. But most of us thought we were rich until we pulled all our cards out and realized it was junk wax or it was, you know, it, it was worthless stuff. But it got us excited enough to jump back into the hobby, right? For sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, I remember that was probably three years ago when I really dove back uh, into it. 
and it was probably, you know, unfortunately at the height of the market when every, everything, you know, was selling for big money. And I said, you know, there has to be a Kobe rookie card in here somewhere. There's got to be an 86 player George somewhere. Like, I mean, we had thousands and thousands and thousands of cards and uh, there, there, there was some cool stuff, certainly, you know, some, some rookie cards of baseball players, some Maddenly stuff, some McGuire stuff, some Sosa stuff, yeah. some a little bit of Jordan kind of '90s insert stuff. But yeah. uh, unfortunately, that kind of retirement package that I was hoping for from the sports card industry did not pan out. Yeah. Uh, but it's fun, you know. It's it's really cool. Even you know, if you put put aside prices, it is really cool to you know to to, to just kind of go back in time and you know kind of remember the cards that we were collecting as a kid. And yeah. it, it does bring back a lot of memories, a lot yeah. of which I shared with my dad and my brother and. Um, obviously my dad stayed in the hobby. My brother is aware of it even more so now because of me and my dad. Uh, yeah. so we're, we're actually working on his collection now. He's a big Ripken guy, okay. even though, even though he grew up in New York city, uh, we were playing baseball one day, uh, with my dad and my brother always wanted to play shortstop. And he asked my dad at one point, you know, who is the best shortstop to emulate? And my dad said Ripken because that was back in 94, not 95. Yeah. And so from that point forward, he just completely pivoted. He did a 180 from being a Yankee fan to an, an Orioles fan, so much so that he made my parents paint his childhood bedroom orange and black for the <laughs> Orioles. So he, he he took this seriously. So we're working on his uh, Ripken rookie card run at the yeah. moment, which is you know sort of a fun way to get him back in the hobby. Yeah, Younger brother? Older brother. Older, Older brother. brother. Oh, okay. Older brother. All right. Nice, nice. All right, well, let's just switch gears here a little bit. You know, let's let I'm, I'm going to let you, you know, give the you know the, the 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 pitch, right? The mascot pitch, what what it is, because when we met, when we met at Gillette, I kind of got the back half of the pitch, right? Because there was somebody covering my table when I came back. We started chatting, and it was a lot about the you know the sales part of it. But then, as time went on, I realized that there's so many more you know layers to mascot than just selling your card. So I'm just going to let you kind of give that pitch. Sure. Yeah. So uh, for, for, for a little bit of context, so we really launched mascot uh, give or take middle of July uh, of this year. So it is still relatively new, relatively fresh. Um, but, you know, we are really, really encouraged and really excited to see the, the immediate traction that's had. And, you know, it's, it seems clear that we've sort of pinpointed a need within this industry uh, and we really kind of brought in the, the scope of what Mascot was originally intended to be. So I'll tell you what Mascot was originally intended to be, and I'll tell you kind of where we are today. What it was originally intended to be was two things, right? Uh, a really robust, really sleek inventory management tool. And then uh, also a really great ability to list items for sale across multiple marketplaces at the same time. Um, what, what that means, right? So we have partnerships. We've been able to strike partnerships with uh, five of the major grading companies of so PSA, SGC, Beckett, CGC, and TAG, where essentially just by putting in a serial number, it automatically populates with all details of your card, uh, all details, including oftentimes high-res images. I know that, you know, kind of having to take scans and images of cards can be a real pain in the butt and a real time suck. So we've really shortened this process where if you have graded inventory, uh, you can you know, upload it to Mascot really easily just by putting in a serial number. The second part of it is we partnered with a lot of secondary market uh, places, including uh, eBay, MySlabs, TikTok Shop, MyCardPost, Veriswap, Comic Connect, Shopify, et cetera, et cetera, where you can essentially cross-list your items to multiple marketplaces at the same time. Uh, we identified something that a lot of people were looking to sell items in multiple marketplaces, oftentimes they're doing it in a very manual capacity where they're literally creating two different listings. Then if it sells in one, they got to go back to their other marketplace and delist it manually. And we said, there has to be a better way to do this. 
So that's that's what we created with Mascot, right? The ability to get your items into Mascot really easily and then uh, list them across multiple marketplaces without any additional work, without any additional friction. You literally just check off all the marketplaces that you want to list it on. It gets listed on your own store. If it sells in one marketplace, it gets removed automatically and instantaneously from all the other marketplaces. And uh, it's been it's been tremendous. I mean, we have we have really, really uh, satisfied customers so far. People are just amazed at how much time it's saving them. Um, and then, you know, really after the nationals, actually, is when another opportunity was presented to Mascot. And we immediately saw the opportunity and we immediately built it and actually rolled it out just this past week at, at the Philly show, which was, you know, at the nationals and, you know, think of any fairly decent size, whether it's a regional show or hotel show, what have you, there's so much inventory that's actually at these shows. And there's a lot of dealers who take really valuable time and, uh, and cost to, to set up at these shows. And, you know, we want to provide for them a better way to get their inventory discovered uh, and ultimately hopefully lead to more transactions as a result. So we built a tool where dealers in advance of some shows reactivate can upload their, invent their show inventory to Mascot and then essentially mark off which items they want to publicly display. Then uh, attendees or anyone who's just curious to see what inventory is available at that show can go to Mascot and search for items that they're looking for for their collection and immediately find it, right? And know that, okay, it's at uh, Ken's table, right? You're, you're table 17. And then from there, if they're at the show, they can stop by the booth and facilitate a transaction. If they're not at the show, it's still visible and uh, a dealer can upload, whether it's a website link, whether it's an Instagram link, right? So people can still reach out to the dealer, even if they're not physically at the show to transact, right? And so we, we think this is, um, you know, I, I won't even say what I think it is. I, I, can t I can tell you some of the feedback from other people who tried it. We've heard everything from this is the way of the future to this is revolutionary. This is innovative. This is a great concept. I want to see a rollout in every show. So we're really, really excited about the, um, the initial rollout of it. And uh, we, we do we do plan to make some announcements in the next coming weeks about other shows that it's going to be activated at in 2024. Well, that was one of my questions later to know where, where where I could do this again because I actually used this last weekend at the the Philly show. Now I I didn't go to the Philly show, and and for someone like me, um, I'm a Trinity Rod I PC Trinity Rodman right. So you go to these shows and there's very little women's soccer you know, at any of these shows. And I could walk a whole show and maybe not see, or maybe see one or two, some base cards, things like that. So when, when, you know, my story real quick, you know, someone sent me every, a lot of people, when they see anything with Trinity Rodman, they think of me, they send me these, these, you know, uh, story sales and things like that. So somebody had sent it, somebody had this. And when I went to their Instagram, they had listed, you know, if you want to see what I'm going to have at the Philly show, click here. It was a link to mascot. And I was able to see these cards right away. So not only did I go set up my free account because mascot is free, right? Then I was able to go through and search, like I just put Trinity Rodman in and search through and just see. So for someone like me, if I'm going to a show, if I was going to that show, I would know I could just write down, hey, I'm just going to go to this. I, I could walk the show, but I know when I get to this table, I'm going to find what I'm looking for. Um, so it was pretty amazing to me to be able to not even have to go to the show to sit home and use it and to buy cards. And they, they actually, you know, just got shipped out in the mail. I did a deal with him while he was at the show and he he sent them to me afterwards. So to me, when this I just thought to myself, 
and 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 I said it on on the last episode or a couple episodes ago, just saying like this is a game changer for people, especially for somebody like me who who I don't you know I'm not. I may run around to buy cards at a show, but I'm really looking to supply my PC. And if I know where I, if anybody, even anybody at that show is going to have those cards, I know exactly where to find them. So uh, I just think that was amazing. And, and I'll add that word game changer in there because when you get to a show like the national, that is just so crowded. Like, I mean, it's usually five, six, seven people deep at a table you it, this this app is going to come in like just it's going to be huge to be able to know where i'm going to go especially when there's five thousand tables if i'm going to find what i'm looking for i can start there first yeah i i think i think that's spot on you know we, we've had a lot of uh dialogue with various show promoters and show runners and you know i think one thing that was interesting data that uh again i don't think it's a perfect science but kind of interesting data that we came across was you know, there's a lot of reasons why people go to shows, right? And, uh, you know, about 30% based on their uh, data, about 30% of people go to shows for the transactions, right? For it to actually add something to their PC or, you know, to to buy a deal or sell a deal, whatever it is, about 30% go for the transactions. About 40% go for the community, right? For the, for the experience, just of kind of being around the show and being involved in the hobby, seeing friends, what have you. And then about 30% more go for the athletes, right? If there's, if the show has a lot of athletes and they want to get an autograph. So, you know, we said, hey, look, you know, the 30% uh, on, on the transactional side, we think we can do something really material for. And especially if someone has just one day or a couple hours, maybe they have kids, maybe a show's in California and they can't travel, right? There has to be a better way to you know, really help out dealers who are really there for the most part for the transaction, Right. And so, you know, we, we, we think that this tool is something that is going to be widely adopted uh, across a lot of big shows, especially, you know, big, big shows where even if you have a couple hours, even if you have a day, right, oftentimes just finding something specific is hard. You know, it might, it might not be even displayed at, at, a, at a dealer's table or maybe it's under a stack of cards and you can only see what's on the first one and the dealer is busy and talking to someone else and you don't get that opportunity. So we, we thought there has to be, you know, a, a better way. And it just so happens that uh, Mascot's core product on the inventory management side, you know, really had a lot of the features that we needed to kind of roll out an extension of Mascot uh, for shows. So we're really, really pleased with how it went. J j just for some, some high level data, we got 70% of Philly show dealers to participate in this. We, uh, we, we actually had some press on this last week, 70% of dealers uh, loaded at least five to 10 cards on Mascot. We saw a whole host of, various strategies some people put everything which was awesome some people put you know kind of their five to ten or 20 most marketable cards in there just to try to attract people to their booth some people put you know kind of representative samples of the types of inventory that you can expect from them so we saw a whole host of other strategies obviously it's a new platform and it's a new concept um but you know we were really encouraged by the uh the, the amount of dealers who found value in it and we we're also really pleased by the amount of attendees or even people who are just you know, who, who were interested but couldn't actually attend the show. We, we, we you know, it's sort of a perfect trilogy of, of three different types of people uh, who, all, who all found uh, value in Mascot. So for somebody like me as a dealer, if I go up and I say, like, say if I was set up at the Philly show, if I'm using the app and I already have my, my cards in there, my collection in there, is it like a drag and drop option or is it something that I put up there and then, does that get saved for, say, I'm doing the Chicago or whatever the next show you'll be doing it at? Will that be saved 
for the next show or will I need to recreate that again for the next show? Well, for, 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 selfish, for selfish purposes, we would highly recommend dealers to keep their inventory fully up to date on Mascot always, mm -hmm. of course. But yeah, I mean, so if you, if you have your inventory in Mascot already and Mascot is enabling this tool for a specific show, it's really as simple as just you know, saying, okay, yes, I'm going to be attending the show as a dealer. Here's my booth number. And then you go back to your inventory and essentially just select uh, everything that you're bringing to the show. And uh, there's there's a little button mascot where it says actions add to Philly show or actions add to Chicago show. And then, you know, you're done, right? I mean, the, the, the initial legwork is really just creating the account, adding your inventory in. Once it's in there, you know, you can keep your inventory fully up to date. If you sell something at a show, you can quickly and easily mark it as sold. So it's kind of taken down from all other marketplace listings and it's no longer active in your inventory. So yeah, we, we, we definitely recommend people use Mascot just to keep track of the inventory. It's a great, great tool for that. We recommend people use Mascot if you're uh, either, even if you're selling on one, one platform, even if you're just selling on Mascot, we have a lot of people, I would say some of the more prominent dealers uh, who everyone would know in this industry swear by Mascot as just a really fast way to create marketplace listings because you, know, you can just dump your inventory in. We automatically read the serial number. We automatically produce you know, images and we create titles. And all you have to do is just kind of make a couple tweaks, price it out, boom, list it. Um, but yeah, the, the process of actually you know, marking inventory that you already have in Mascot for a show is really, really, really simple. And, and the, I don't remember, and I, this question just came to mind, the prices were the, are, are they, are the, I know the, obviously the ones that you're putting up on different platforms for sale, but the ones for the shows were the prices in that, or could you choose to put prices in there or not? Yeah, it was fully optional for dealers. Some, some dealers did put pricing, which was great. Some dealers uh, just listed their inventory and you know, kind of left pricing blank. So it's, it's fully optional. Obviously we encourage people to include as much detail uh, in particular pricing. Cause you know, say there could be three or four of one item we had, you know, I think there were 12 or so 52 tops mantles within similar grades. Right. And so, you know, if I'm, if I'm someone who has an hour to spend at a show and, you know, I'm probably looking for the best price, right. Yeah. Obviously other factors, but I'm looking for pricing as a big indicator of, okay, I have a limited amount of time. I can only go to a couple tables. I'm going to go to this table first because they have the best pricing. So yeah. Uh, yeah. All, all optional. But, you know, I think the, the, the more someone puts the work in initially, the more it's going to pay off in the back end. Yeah. And I know you were talking about scanning the cards, right? The, uh, so what, what grading companies do you work with that can put the serial numbers in? Yeah. So of the grading companies we work with, we can put a serial number in. It's PSA, uh, Beckett, SGC, CGC, and TAG. Uh, there, there probably are a couple of the grading companies we're going to work with, but as of right now, those kind of big five, if you will, are, right. are enabled. Um, what I was sort of surprised to learn that a lot of people didn't realize that uh, a lot of these grading companies take scans of the item when it when it gets graded, and they actually store those images on on, on their back end database. So anyone who's familiar with like the PSA CERT website or the SGC CERT website, if you search for uh, a specific serial number, oftentimes it pulls in. Uh, you know, a, a really good high res front and back image, mm -hmm. anything that is essentially stored in these grading companies cert database will automatically pull into mascot. Right. So for a lot of people, that one step just saves them a ton of time. You don't have to take a scan yourself. You don't have to take a, an iPhone image or what have yeah. you. Uh, the, the quality of the scans is really, really good. And then so from there, just by putting in a serial number, uh, you know, you can get everything, right? And then all you gotta do is just price it, list it from there. Um, I should note, just for people, if, if you do try it out, uh, Beckett, unfortunately, is the one grading company who does not take any scans of their cards. So anything Beckett 
uh, we'll, we'll not have a picture. You'll get everything essentially uh, signed from the picture. And uh, certain items that are in really old PSA slabs or really old SGC slabs, like those green SGC slabs, won't, won't have images. But anything, you know, in, in that kind of tuxedo look for SGC will have an image. Anything that's in kind of a modern, newish PSA slab will have an image. Anything CGC will have an image. Anything tag will have an image. Yeah. Yeah, and if you if you've been in the hobby, you figured out that one spot in the room with the light, and where to hold the camera to take that one picture so it actually it comes out right. Right? I mean, that, that's probably the hardest. And when you talk to people, that's the hard. That's what deters most people from putting stuff up on like you yeah. know like eBay or places like that. It's because they don't want to, you know, take the time. They call it laziness or whatever. No one really wants to take the time to take a picture. Did the picture come out right? And then sometimes you're on there looking for something, and you're like. Oh my God! Who took this picture? <laughs> what were they thinking to even upload this thing? So, yeah, I think I think just having the scans could just be, you know, somewhat of a, a of a game changer uh, sure. for something like yeah, that. Yeah, for I'm sure I'm sure I'm 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 not the only one, but if I'm looking on a marketplace and I'm interested in a card, sometimes the quality of the image actually really does affect whether or not I bid on it or buy it. Just you know, mm -hmm. having a high quality image is really really important. In fact, you know, for some marketplaces, the quality of the image actually affects you know, how, uh, how searchable and findable the item is on that marketplace. Mm -hmm. So the, the ability to just have a really high quality front and back scan that gets automatically generated is not only going to save people a lot of time, but oftentimes it's actually going to lead to, you know, a user actually selling more product because it's getting ranked higher in each marketplace's kind of listing SEO. So just something to, to think about. Yeah. And sometimes too, there's different variations of the of same number of a card, right? So sometimes like I know, you know, with, with the, the soccer cards that I do, the women's soccer, it's the same card number, but then there's a variation to it. Right. So sometimes you'll say, oh, it's this number. And you'll say, well, you know, this thing's only selling for a hundred dollars. Well, there was only 50 of this variation here, but that's worth a thousand, you know? So sometimes just having that to be able to see right away, oh, that's a variation or whatever too, uh, is pretty important. Yeah, no, I, I just had one thing to that. You know, a, a lot of times when you're taking kind of an amateur quality image of whether it's like a refractor or a parallel, sometimes the colors don't really come out well. If you're just doing it on your iPhone, you might get a little glare or what have you. Yeah. Uh, I've been actually very pleased and impressed with with the scans from the grading companies when it comes to parallels and refractors. They actually do capture, you know, the 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 colors really well. It's a really crisp image. So I, I would I would just throw that out there as well. Yeah. So I in and and here I have a recommendation. I'm going to ask you because I don't think you do it, but I think it's something you should do, or maybe you should think about for the company. But uh, being a dealer at a show, I mean everybody is walking around with that phone pulling up comps 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 um and it, any way to get comps with mascot or something you guys will work on because i think i think that that right there is almost the key to any any show right because i i just spent the weekend uh you know at at, at hofstra university in long island with a show and you know, it, it's every single show, you know, the, the phones, everybody holding the phone up, there's the comp that could, you know, so it, it's like, can we just make this a little easier? Like, is there something we could do just to make it just a little easier to, to have proper comps? Yeah, Ken, it's funny, like, uh, A, yeah, you, you obviously see, you know, kind of the attendees and the buyers, or the collectors always looking at comps, but, uh, you know, as someone who really hadn't set up as a dealer, you know, until, over the last couple of months with mascot, not that we're a dealer, but you know, we would kind of set up our table and just talking to a lot of the dealers. It seems like the biggest like time suck, if you will, 
in setting up for the shows is having to reprice all of your inventory every time you, know, you do it. Obviously, if you're doing it every weekend, you don't always have to reprice everything, but just kind of creating these comps and repricing your items uh, is, is, a, is a real time suck for, for a lot of dealers. We actually partnered with a company called Card Hedge. So uh, we have, uh, it's a pricing source, it's a pricing data aggregator, and you can get that directly in Mascot, full transparency. And I really, I really like uh, Card Hedge a lot. They're just sort of a newer company who doesn't catalog uh, you know, as much inventory as, you know, as Mascot has at the moment. So anywhere between 30 to 40% of items that have been uploaded to Mascot will actually bring in a comp. Um, but we, we are, we are looking for ways to kind of make this uh, more robust. And so that anything you put in, will you know, we're going to kind of try to scrape, uh, you know, their data first. If it's not there, then, you know, there are other pricing sources, whether it's a 130 point or whether it's a market movers, whether it's an alt pricing source, there's a whole host of different options that uh, we are exploring. So our hope is that, you know, in the, in the not too distant future, you put in a card, you get the front and back images, you get everything ready to go. And it also, uh, you know, sort of has has some pricing data on it for you. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you what, like, OK, I'm going to say it, I'm a little older. Right. So these younger kids could just fly, fly <laughs> on these phones where, you know, you, you'll see me the Friday, Thursday and Friday before a weekend show. I will comp everything, but. I will go through and I will memorize all like at least three of the last sales for each card. So when I get there and people are saying to me, oh, you know, people, applaud, somebody, applaud, oh, I like that card. And they'll look at their phone. They'll be like, oh, the last comp, say it's a $400 card. They'll be like, oh, last comp is like 300. I'll be like, yeah, that comp, that was like two weeks ago. And it was a row, you know, like I have to be like that because if I'm sitting there on my phone waiting, people get tired and leave by the time I look stuff up. So I have to memorize most of the stuff. So yeah, that, that would be a huge, a huge plus for someone like me. Yeah. But so for when you guys were creating this, right. And I say you guys, cause you, you were actually, you came into the company, right. Um, and that it was, if I remember right, this was slab folio before yep. it it became mascot right. now when when that was being put together and you talked about at the beginning about you know what what we wanted to do so, so when you just when you were just talking about just being like an inventory management company was this or software was this going to be for like the end user was this starting to be built out for an end user or was it you know being more built out you know, for a company and then you guys kind of, kind of changed lanes with it. Yeah. So it's a, it's a good question. So yeah, I took over a company called Slabfolio. Slabfolio, uh, essentially what was the same concept, right? Of, you know, kind of inventory management and the ability to list across uh, multiple marketplaces at the same time. I, 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 you know, really got to know the original backers and founders of Slabfolio and, you know, thought, thought it was a really great opportunity. Um, and so I, I joined as CEO of the company in late late March, uh, and it's been it's been busy ever since. Certainly, um, you know, the, for for the yeah, it was, so it was live in the market. It really hadn't been marketed, hadn't been activated. There, there was sort of a, a small critical mass of people who were using it and loved it. And I definitely did my diligence and talking to those users, what they liked about it, what they didn't like about it, what they wanted to see from us. You know, for the most part, the people who were using it were either hobby shops, uh, individual collectors, or dealers. Right. And, you know, what was interesting is for all these different types of participants, there was a different application for them. Right. And, and, that, and that's really what kind of got me excited. Also, one of the challenges we have 
is that there's so many different ways that people want to use mascot and there's so many different applications to them. And then, you know, kind of through conversations, we uncovered, hey, there's actually a grading opportunity here too, right? So we, we did a partnership with, uh, with, with CGC, which will be uh, rolled down the next month or so, which is really cool. You know, a grading company, for instance, you know, one of their biggest kind of lead generators, if you will, is how quickly, you know, you can submit a card, get it back graded, and then ultimately kind of get it listed for sale on a secondary marketplace. Um, you know, so, so some of these grading companies, you know, uh, will say that about 80%, so 80% of items that are graded within one calendar year ultimately wind up on a secondary marketplace for resale within one calendar year, right? So the, the, the speed of service, the speed of turnaround time is crucial, especially when you're talking modern where, you know, a card value can go up or down 30, 40% based on one game, right? So the, 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 the speed factor is crucial. So we're, we did a partnership with CGC where uh, at the point of, uh, at the order submission form, the end user can essentially click a button on CGC's website that says, upon getting it graded, immediately add it to my mascot account. What that'll mean is essentially once you once you get a serial number, boom, it's right into your mascot. Boom, you can list it across five, six other channels at at the same time, right? So we're going to create the fastest. So like, this is before they get the card back. Correct. Right. So, so yeah, so you, you'd actually be able to have the card listed for sale even prior to you actually receiving it physically, which which would be really cool. Um, you know, there's obviously marketplace opportunities, right? You know, with mascot, we've really aggregated a, a lot of inventory. We have a lot of users who are looking to sell items. You know, you have a lot of new marketplaces that are forming who, you know, their, their biggest hurdle is, okay, how do we get, how do we get the users? How do we get the inventory up on, you know, on these secondary market channels? And really a lot of them are, have created essentially APIs, which are just a fancy way of saying the ability for mascot and that marketplace to work together so that we can offer their marketplace to all of the mascot users, right? So you, you theoretically, by creating a new marketplace, working with mascot, you could have hundreds of thousands of listings day one. Mm -hmm. Right. So th there's all these opportunities we've continued to uh, uncover, obviously trade shows being another one. So I don't know if I really answered your question there, but yeah, it was it was built for the end user. It was it's just sort of hard to say exactly who the end user mm -hmm. is because there are so many different end users uh, that we, we've just been trying to prioritize. OK, which are the ones that are really kind of moved the needle for uh, for mascot, which are the ones who are going to move the needle for the hobby? Yeah, because it almost sounded as if it was really more created for like the hobby shops, right? And then as you start looking into it, you're like, well, it could be for like the consigners too, right? So the consigners just to be able to to kind of streamline their business a little more too. And then at the end, when you really look at it, you're like, well, now it's turned into everybody. You know, it's not just for this one. It's not just for that one. It's, it's you know, and, and then I wonder on the other end, like, you know, I, I mentioned the consigners, but now it may, if it makes it easy enough for the end user to do it, does that kind of take out the, where, where I think this would be, you know, a great tool for the consigners to use, but now does that kind of take them out because it's making it easier for, you know, just the end user themselves to, to, to sell something? Yeah. So on the topic of, of consigners, you know, we, we actually work with a bunch of them. I mean, I think, you know, the, the challenge um, with someone listing their own stuff for sale on their own channel is if you have a lot of inventory, you still have to go to the post office, you know, every single time something sells, you still have to package it up yourself. You still have to communicate with the buyers and all the, all the ho hoopla, you know, which can come from that. So, you know, I think the, the consignment companies who are working with mascot, what they, what they're seeing is that it just kind of speeds up their process, mm -hmm. but ultimately, you know, the, the people who are consigning to them are ones who really have no interest in kind of shipping you know, each package themselves or worrying about communicating with the buyers. They just want to ship it once. 
just know that they're going to get a check in the mail or a wire in the mail or what have you within some period of time and just, yeah. just don't want to do all, all the work. Yeah. Right. So, you know, our view and, you know, I think the view of a lot of the consignment companies who are working with us is that it's been it's been an additive tool and hasn't really taken away anything from their business. So one of the things I love about when I do sell stuff on eBay, right, is and speaking of the post office is, you know, it's discounted shipping. It's one click, you know, print out the label, stick it on the package and go like I don't have to, you know, go anywhere else. They make it simple. Is something like this on like, is there any you guys work with the shipping at all on that? I know I'm sure like if we sell it, if it sells through you, but on eBay, you could still get that printing label. But if it's sold on other platforms, do you offer like uh, shipping labels and things like that? Yeah, it's a it's another great question. It, it is something that we are working uh, through. We, we actually have uh, arrangements with, um, you know, a, f a few vendors on this front. But you're right. I mean, if you sell something on eBay, you know, it's the same process, right? It's the same you know, kind of user journey, if you will, right? You'll, you'll get notified now by eBay and Mascot that an item is sold. eBay will offer you, you know, the ability to print out their custom shipping label. Um, so it's, a, it's that same flow. And I would say a lot of these other marketplaces do have shipping label deals that just because of their scale, uh, oftentimes are better than what someone could get on their own. So, you know, it, it is something that we're going to probably integrate into Mascot in some capacity. And then um, you know, a mascot user essentially have the ability to kind of price shop, right? Is it better to use mascots deals? Is it better to use eBay's deal? Is it better to use my own deal? So we're, we're, we're all for optionality and kind of giving people choice, which is why we've offered multiple marketplaces and multiple grading companies. And so I, I think it'll just be a, a, another option for, for mascot users. Yeah. Yeah. And is there anything else, like anything I haven't asked you about that, you know, it's maybe something I overlooked that, that, you want to talk about the you know something else that that the app does you know i think i think you've, you've covered it i mean we're, we're we're excited you know i think we, we really kind of hit on something in the hobby right I, mean, I think one thing that you know we all think is that it's an amazing amazing hobby but there are still friction points right there are things that yeah. <laughs> probably take too long right and there and there are ways you know i think that we can kind of provide technology uh to it hopefully in really easy uh, easy to use ways that just kind of speed everything up, right? So, you know, I think, um, you know, you, you can probably expect from us more categories, right? As of right now, we're just in um, in cards and comics. We are going to be introducing a couple other categories, everything from uh, wax and kind of sealed product to memorabilia and tickets and anything graded by C CGC. They do coins and stamps. Um, so you're going to see us kind of expand into other categories you know i think we're, we're gonna we're gonna work more on the pricing of it because i think i think pricing is something obviously everyone thinks about uh, we're, we're, gonna, we're gonna roll this out to more shows in 2024 we're excited about that mm -hmm. um and yeah i mean our, our partnerships with the grading companies i think can be really interesting you know one, one other thing we're going to be working on um or, or have already started working on is essentially if you have raw items in mascot already you know how can you create a really easy journey where you can um, you know, re really submit these cards to the marketplace without having to do work twice. You've already taken the time to put it into Mascot, even though it's a second or two. It's already in Mascot. How can we then kind of map the data over to the grading company so you can submit bulk, you know, items to the grading company without having to fill out a manual form, without having to redo all the work? So I think I think those are some things that you, you can probably expect from Mascot in the coming year. Yeah, yeah. And, and I know firsthand, I send a lot of stuff to grading. And, and it's usually you know, for me, it's, it's a whole afternoon. Like I, I own a business and I say, and I create my own schedule. And I say like this week, I say, okay, Wednesday afternoon, I'm blocking off two hours or so because I have 70 cards. I have to, you know, 
plug into that I want to send off to grading, like that type of thing of, of singles. So, yeah, it, it would, you know, it, anything that would make that easier, you know, would be, you know, a, a, a real plus, you know. Um, one of the things I was going to touch on, too, and it's just like as I'm thinking about this and, you know, I think about last year's national and, and I go back to the women's soccer because there was like three of us that were actually selling that last year uh, at the national and that and like women's basketball, WNBA, WNBA. And through social media, we figured the three of us out and through people coming up and saying, oh, do you know this person or that person? Because this person's on the other side. So we got our the three people's table numbers. And when people would come up and look, I would say they'd say, hey, do you know anybody else? I'd say, yeah, this table number and that table number. Right. So this week, getting ready to go to, to, you know, Long Island, I had so many people, it was the first time ever, so many people messaging me saying, hey, what's your table number? You know, so all of a sudden in one, you know, from the Philly where it was like such a big deal about, you know, what your table number was, like people are all of a sudden asking, like, what's your table number? And I became, like, I love the hobby, but I became more of a dealer because I felt safe on this side of the table. Right. Because when the crowds came on that side of the table, I would just walk out the door. I I wasn't about to fight through the crowds. So, again, I'll say this. And even like I it may or may not be a little social anxiety. Right. But I just think for people who are going to be showing up at these larger shows and just knowing where where to find things and not have to fight. And if you do show up. You know, and you see there's 10 people at this person's table. At least, at least you know what you're looking for is there. You could wait for it, right? Because one of the things as a dealer, and I do this, and I see other people do this, people walk by pretty quick, and they look in. So I do some football. I do some hockey. I do some pop culture. So if somebody looks over at my table and sees pop culture and doesn't see the football or hockey, they may just keep walking right by because, you know, somebody was in their way or they didn't see that case or they didn't see that card or they just see the football and they didn't see the pop culture. They just keep moving. So I just really think this is going to be a game changer for people who are looking for more specific things. Uh, I mean, probably for everybody, but looking for more specific things, I, I just truly think this app is going to be a game changer. Yeah, thank you. I, I'm, I'm glad you actually mentioned that the, the, the bit about, you know, kind of people having social anxiety about kind of going up to a dealer, because I, I think that's true, right? You know, oftentimes, you know, it can be for people who are obviously very familiar with the hobby and very comfortable in show settings. It's, it's one thing, but it can be a kind of intimidating experience, right? You, you, you go into a show and there's a lot of people hovering over a booth and asking a million questions. And, you know, I, I think for a lot of people, if they see a crowd, oftentimes they just don't bother. Or, you know, they, they don't ask the questions they want to uh, ask you or, you know, they, they feel like it's inappropriate to ask you, you know, about something because they feel like they should already know the answer. I mean, th this really hopefully takes some of that social anxiety uh, out of the way and, you know, at least makes it a much more targeted search. And obviously, we're really excited, you know, about the ability for even if you can't actually attend the show. I mean, I, I've, you know, I'm about to have a third kid. I have three young kids. I'd, I'd want to go to every show across the country if I could. But obviously, you know, I can't. So, you know, for someone who just wants to see, you know, all the opportunities to potentially buy items from my personal collection, you know, I, I really would personally enjoy using a tool like mascots. Um, and so we're, we're, we're excited about this. Okay. Uh, last question, Mint Collective. <laughs> you doing that this uh, or next year, 2024? Yeah. So um, for, for context, uh, at Collectible, we actually co-founded uh, the Mint 
with um, with IMG. And uh, you know, it was, it was a pretty cool differentiated show. It was really never intended to be kind of a dealer show, right? If you will, it was never really intended to be that. It was really kind of more thought leadership. And we had, we put together these panels and people talked about kind of the state of the hobby. And we had grading companies talking about what they're working on. It was, it was a pretty cool thing. Um, this, the, the, the Mint is actually gonna be rolled into some of the, the Fanatics offerings. I won't, I won't say more. Uh, about it, because I know Fanatics is going to make some of their own announcements. That, but uh, I think I can say on the record that there, there will not be a Mint Collective going forward. It'll just be kind of rolled into uh, some form of, of, of Fanatics' live event offerings, which they're doing now uh, in partnership with IMG. Oh, okay. All right. Well, good to know. I know I'd, sign, I'd signed up because it was something I didn't go to and I missed out. And, and then I heard all these people that went and it was amazing and i said all right i got to sign up to go this year and not, nothing ever came so i said oh and then when i knew i knew you were involved in that i said oh i, I can ask you first on that yeah yeah i think i think fanatics is gonna have a, a few a few shows rolling out in 2024 and uh, i've been able to hear a little bit about what their intentions are and i think it'll be interesting yeah. it'll be pretty cool and yeah, I, I, think I think everybody is 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 waiting and and any any partnership talk with you guys with that with your yeah we, we've been you know we actually at, at card vault at foxborough um we had the opportunity to kind of showcase what we we're working on with mascot with show tools and uh you know it's, it's a it's a really great team over there with fanatics events there i don't know if people know this but the people who are running fanatics events are the people who really kind of founded and promoted comic-con in new york city uh, and I think I think it's in other parts of the country or world as well. So they have extensive experience within live events and really kind of make them spectacles, not, not just sort of consumer uh, shows. So, yeah, they're 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 very much aware of what we're doing. Um, you know, we've, we definitely have a good relationship with them. So we'll see. You know, I think I think they're they're still uh, finalizing plans for exactly what they want to roll out. But, um, yeah, I think I think for that 30 percent of the transactional side for these shows, I think I think mascots can be a great tool for that. Nice. Nice. Uh, and you don't have uh, uh, the next. Do you, do you know the next show yet? That uh, mask that you're going to be set up for that not uh, set up, but you could use the app for. We do. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I think uh, we, we were we were very pleased with kind of how Philly went, and uh, so yeah, we, we we've absolutely kind of signed uh, partnerships and signed deals to roll us out in 2024. I don't think we're quite ready to make the announcement just yet, but. Um, yeah, it'll be it'll be coming to big shows, ones that people really know about, and you know, I, th I think this works, you know, really really well for the big shows, right? Where there's just so much inventory, it's hard to kind of sift through the noise, hard to find something you want and yeah. like. And so, yeah, we were, and I, I should probably just say thank you first of all to, to the Phyllis show, to Joe Joe Drellick, uh, you know, for that initial opportunity to kind of take our technology and put it to use. You know, I've, I've always been very impressed um, you know, with the Phyllis show first of all, but with Joe Drellick. Uh, his team and their kind of vision for what the future of, of shows could be, uh, and so I think I think we're we're all, we're all pleased with it, and uh, we'll 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 be making some announcements shortly. I, I would I would assume in terms of where where mascot is going to be in 2024. Nice, nice. Um, I know I'm going to be my next big show is going to be uh, Culture Collision in Atlanta, so I hope to see you there. <laughs> I know you can't say anything one way or another, but I I hope to see you there. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll likely be there. I'm actually having a baby in about a week. So my, my schedule is going to be a little bit in flux for a couple of weeks. If we don't activate Culture Collision this year, it's just because of that. Yeah. But uh, huge, huge fan of Roth and huge fan of what they've built over there. Yeah. And uh, I do I do imagine that Mascot will be coming to Culture Collision at some point in the future. Yeah. 
Well, congratulations. Your third? Our third, yeah. Our third, our third and final. Third nice. and final. Nice. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Tell everybody, Ezra, where if they want to get in touch with you, if they have any more questions or comments. Yep. Uh, so our website is withmascot.com, W-I-T-H, mascot, M-A-S-C-O-T.com. You can find us on any social media channel at withmascot. Um, and, you know, if you, if you if you want to sign up for the platform and test it out, if you have any questions whatsoever, we, we have a, a really responsive team. So you can reach us at, either at support at withmascot.com or I'll even give out my personal email, uh, which is Ezra at withmascot.com. And the app is free. I know I mentioned that earlier, but it, yeah. the app is free, right? It's, a, it's, it's free to use, free to sign up. And uh, it's, a, it's a really great tool. And I think people, uh, if they give it a chance, will be very pleased yeah. with it. I recommend everybody go out, give it a try, sign up, check it out, take it for a ride. <laughs> Ezra, thank you for being here. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Ken. And I'm sure, I'm sure I'll see you soon at yes, the show. Absolutely. Take care. Thanks, Ken.